Happy Sunday, everyone. Welcome to Velocity Church. We are so glad to be with you this morning. Thank you for welcoming us into your home. We want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. We love you, we appreciate you, and for all of the mom figures, all of the mentors, all of the leaders, everyone that has this nurturing spirit on the inside of them, we thank you for that. We celebrate you, we honor you, and it's a privilege to get to do life with you. I also wanna say a special good morning to my grandpa Don. I hope that you figured out how to get on and that you're watching, and I want you to know that I love you. Well, we are in week three of our series, Graced For It. And I was excited when my husband said that we were doing this series because there's a lot of times in my life when I feel like I'm facing something hard or I have to do something that I don't feel equipped to do or when I have to do something that I just don't want to do, I have to tell myself I'm graced for it. There's several scenarios in which I have to give myself this little pep talk when I say I'm graced for it. Things like preaching, leading, mothering, going to the dentist. But probably the place where I have to give myself this pep talk is the most is going to work out. See, I've never been one of those people that feels like I need to work out. I'm more of a I need to eat a donut kind of girl. But life sometimes is about doing the things that we won't want, don't want to do, and so I work out. For the past six years, I have been a faithful member of Jazzercise. And I can tell you that not once over the last six years have I ever gotten up in the morning and thought, I can't wait to work out today. Wait, that's not true. Because there was a day last fall when I asserted my authority with our staff and I made Pastor Jacob, Pastor Andrew, and Nate go to Jazzercise. And I guarantee you, I was very excited for that day. It would have been a good day, but it was made better watching them do hip circles to boys by Lizzo. Best day ever. Well, I don't want to mislead you about Jazzercise because I do like it, but there's some things I don't like about Jazzercise. I don't like push-ups. I really don't like planks. I refuse to do burpees and I struggle with any kind of routine that's on the floor. But the thing that causes me the most trouble is stretching. When I was a child, I was flexible. Now that I am adult, I am not flexible. I don't know what has happened. But my body just doesn't want to do it. When they tell you to put your legs out and lean towards one leg, one leg goes straight, one knee goes 90 degrees. When they tell you to do that crossover thing, I go the wrong direction. I'm not stretching. I'm just looking at the wall. And then at the end, when they say, oh, that was so good, don't you feel good? I'm like, were we in the same class together? Because this did not feel good. I know that there are benefits to stretching after working out, but I don't reap the benefits because the stretch is uncomfortable. And rather than leaning into that stretch, I tend to resist it. But in life, we're going to be stretched. James tells us this in his book. He says that pain will come. And I think he must have been a jazzercise instructor because he turns it around when he says you have pain, you should rejoice. He puts a positive spin on it. Rejoice in trials when we have stood the test, when we have endured the pull. We will produce steadfastness. We will be immovable, unable to be shaken. We will be deeply rooted. Being stretched is inevitable and it's a good thing, but living in the stretch, that's the part where I get tripped up 
because sometimes I think I know just enough of God's word to confuse me. You know, like when Paul says in Ephesians that I've already been given every spiritual blessing. So I have peace, I have hope, I have freedom. So why would I need to be stretched? Because he also says in Romans that I desire to do good, but I do not do it. So even though I have hope and I have peace and I have joy, I don't always live in it. And I get st stuck in this tension of already, but not yet. And that's where the stretch comes in. It's this tension of, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. It hurts, balanced with the tension of God's already given me everything I need. I'm graced for the stretch. And that's what I'm calling this message today, graced for the stretch. Well, writing this message definitely stretched me, and I hope that it lands in your heart just as God spoke it to me. And we're going to look in 2 Kings 13. We're going to pick up on the story of Elisha and Jehoash. When Elisha became sick with the illness from which he died, King Jehoash of Israel went down and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha responded, Get a bow and arrows. So he got a bow and arrows. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, Grasp the bow. So the king grasped it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Elisha said, open the east window. So he opened it. Elisha said, shoot. So he shot. Then Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory. Yes, the arrow of victory over Aram. You are to strike down the Armenians in Aphek until you have put an end to them. Then Elisha said, take the arrows. So he took them. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have struck down Aram until you had put an end to them. But now you will strike down Aram only three times. Then Elisha died and was buried. Okay, let's talk about this for a little bit. Here we have Elisha who is dying and Jehoash comes to visit him. A few weeks ago, my grandma passed away. And the grieving process has made me think a lot about my own life and death. I wasn't with my grandma in her final moments, and I've never experienced someone passing away before. But I can't imagine that on her deathbed that day, she was giving instructions to my mom and my grandpa. I like to think that in my final moments, I would be like that, but I know me, and I would want to make it about me. I would be like, come here, loved ones. Prop mama up on the bed. Tell me some stories. Tell me all the things you love about me. Tell me memories of how I made you laugh. Tell me about your favorite radiant. I wouldn't want you to hold anything back. I would want you to tell me everything about me. I would hold on until we all got to share our memories of me. I would hope some people in my life would be like Jehoash and be distraught about my impending death. But Elisha, he pays no attention to Jehoash's grief. And really, he doesn't even give him room to grieve because there's a battle to fight. And he has instructions to give. He tells Jehoash, go get a bow, get some arrows. You've got something to do. A moment ago, I talked about being in the tension of already yours. You've already got the victory. It's been promised to you, but not yet, not yet there because it hasn't happened physically. And it's in that stretch where we can get stuck, 
where you can almost get paralyzed because you just don't know what to do. And we end up missing out on what God is trying to do. We say things like, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on God to show me what I need to do. Okay, we're all friends here. And we know that when we say that, what we're really saying is, I just don't want to obey God. I don't really want to do what he told me to do. I don't want to take that step of faith. See, God is speaking to us all the time, but we just don't want to take the time to listen or we don't want to obey. But somewhere in the middle of that stretch, we've got to learn to take ownership of our outcomes. Elisha didn't give weight or a moment's glance to the fact that he was dying and the king was grieving. He knew there was something to do, that there was an outcome that had to happen. There certainly is a time to grieve. I have grieved a lot over what we used to have on Sundays. I have let my emotions run wild and I have made it miserable on my people because I want what it used to be. But there comes a time where we have to stop thinking about the past. We have to stop worrying about what we've lost, stop dwelling on what we can't change. We've got to stop replaying the argument or how you wished you would have made a different choice. At some point, you have to have that tough conversation with yourself and say, enough is enough. I was sad. This really stinks, but there is work to be done and I've got to do it. And if you are constantly looking backwards, you will never be able to move forward. If you want your tomorrow to be better than your yesterday, then you have to make different choices today. Sometimes the most freeing thing you can do for yourself is to say, it is what it is, if I could change it, I would, but I can't, so it's time to just get moving. What if when Elisha told Jehoash to get the bow and the arrows, Jehoash was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really a bow and arrow guy, like, like bow and arrows, it's not my thing. Well, then you're not going to have the victory over Aram. What if when David went to fight Goliath, instead of going with five smooth stones and a sling, he just looked down in the valley and said, oh, well, uh, that's, that's a big problem. <laughs> really hope God does something about that. I hope God takes out Goliath. Some of us are so busy looking at our Goliath-sized problems and going, God, help me get over that. God, help me not to have this worry but yet we don't spend any time with God worshiping until the worry is lifted off of us. We say, God, I hope you put my marriage back together, but yet we haven't forgiven or offered forgiveness. You see, there is an act of your will that is involved. David had to go and pick out stones. He had to put them in his bag. He had to pick up his feet and start walking to Goliath. He had to reach into that bag and get that stone, put it in his sling and start moving his arm. God didn't do any of that. David had to do it. God can do it and God will do it. But God also has to have something to work with. He has to have a vessel to use. Just like David picked up the stones and Jehoash got the bow and the arrow, you have to take ownership of your outcomes. Not only do you have to do that, but you also have to trust God for your outcomes. Some of you are like, wait, what? 
Okay, I know I'm not the professional preacher. He's coming back next week, but I know what I'm talking about. Do I take ownership for my actions or do I trust God for my outcomes? Yes, you do both. It's the tension of our faith. It's not, I'm just waiting on God, and it's not, God, I've got this. It's the tension of the two. It's, God, I'm going to trust you for the promotion, but I'm also going to work hard in the meantime. It's, God, I'm going to wait for you to give me a baby, but I'm also going to do what the doctor recommends. It's, God, when you speak, I'm going to obey. It's, God, if you say forgive, then I'm going to forgive. Even if it doesn't feel good, even if I don't want to, I'm going to trust you with the outcome, and it's going to free something on the inside of me. It's not one or the other. Because you taking ownership of your outcomes without leaning on God in the middle leaves no room for the supernatural. And it will make you think that you did it, which will lead you places that you don't want to go. But when we allow room in the natural for the supernatural, that's when giants fall. That's when addictions are broken. That's when healing happens. That's when freedom is found. It's not one or the other. It's the tension of the two. Our daughter, Pippa, always wants to play princesses. And it's so sweet when she plays with her dad. She, of course, is the princess, and he's the prince, and they live happily ever after. Now, when we play princesses, it's a quite different story. If we're playing the Little Mermaid, she is Ariel, of course. I'm Ursula. One time we were going to play Frozen, and I thought, finally, my chance had come. I don't care if I'm Anna. I don't care if I'm Elsa. I was Sven, the reindeer. But lately, her favorite princess to be has been Merida from Brave. It's a unique choice. Santa is an impulse buyer and bought a bow and arrow for our kids for Christmas. Our boys have not been interested in this bow and arrow, but Pippa has been obsessed with it. And it's funny to watch her because even though she had a general idea of how it should work and what she was supposed to do with it, she would get frustrated because the arrow would never fly. She learned quickly that an arrow by itself is of little value, and a bow by itself is of little value. Even if you put the arrow in the bow and walk around like Pippa did, it's not going to do much. The value of the bow and the arrow is when you put them together and you pull it back. It's the pulling that makes the arrow project. And sometimes in life, it can feel like we are the bow and the arrow, and God is pulling us back. And you're like, God, God, what are you doing to me? Why am I being pulled and stretched? And it's not that God is doing something to you. It's that God is wanting to do something through you. When Jehoash shot the arrow, it projected out, and it was an arrow of victory over Aram. We can't be projected into our destiny unless there's a pulling back. If you pull the arrow in the bow and just let it go, it's going to fall down. But when you put the arrow in and you pull back on that bow and you keep stretching until you feel like it might snap and you let go, the further that arrow is going to go. So if you want to be projected into everything that God has for you, you have to embrace the stretching. You've got to allow God to pull you back Pull me back as far as you want to so that you can project me as far as you want me to go. Let's be honest, though. The pull hurts. It's uncomfortable. It's the stretching in jazzercise. 
I don't want to do it. It hurts. But the more I do it, the more I push myself, the more ground I gain and the better I get. God will never pull you back just to pull you. Your father doesn't stretch you just to stretch you. You can know that when there is a stretch, it's because he's trying to get something to you. He's trying to strengthen something in you. I've read um, the story of the vine and the vine dresser in John 15 so many times that I could tell it to you without having to look in my Bible. But this week, as I was looking at it and reading it, a couple things jumped out at me. It says that I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so they will produce even more. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. I never noticed before these two words, more and much. You see, there is fruit that is going to be produced on the tree. Then there's some pulling back and there's more fruit that's produced. And when there's even more pulling, much fruit is produced. I don't want to be someone that settles in my life for just fruit. I don't even want just to have more fruit. I want to get to the place in my life where there is much fruit. But to get there, I have to embrace the stretching. I have to allow the pruning that is going to happen on the journey. I have to recognize that some seasons of stretching and pain is okay because in the midst of it, I'm graced for it. God doesn't pull you back just to pull. He pulls to propel forward. And don't be surprised if you get pulled back because Jesus got pulled back. The Bible says that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was in so much anguish and he was praying out to God that blood came from his temples like drops of sweat. In that moment, he was feeling the pull. He was feeling the stretching, the pressure. Recently, I went back to school and I'm proud because I'm doing really well. You might be wondering, well, what is she studying? Well, I'm taking the first grade, the third grade, and the seventh grade. And my children are very much benefiting from my help. Reese is currently in American history, and I love history. And everything was going just fine between me and him until his dad discovered just how much help I was to Reese. Both Reese and I got a stern talking to. But it's not just Reese that has gotten the wealth of my knowledge and answers. I have been helping Oliver a lot, and he's in third grade, and he had to do a very extensive study on the country of Greece. And so now I have a lot of knowledge about Greece, and you are about to have a lot of knowledge about Greece. One of the things we had to study was the olive tree. And I always thought that an olive tree was like any fruit tree. You allow fruit to grow, you pick it off, and you eat it. But much to my surprise, olive trees are not like other fruit trees. When olives grow, they're very hard. And they do not start to soften until the rainy season comes, usually in the fall. And as the rain softens the olives, they're ready to be harvested. But you can't eat them then. That's a whole nother process that has nothing to do with my point, so we'll leave it at that. The olive has one purpose, to be eaten. But when you take this olive after it has been softened by the rain and you crush it and you apply pressure to it, 
oil will come out, and the oil has multiple uses and applications. And if you want to just have one use in your life, you be that little olive. But if you let the Spirit come in and soften you and shape you and press you and crush you, then oil will flow out of you and you will be used by God in so many ways. The oil that came out of Jesus bought our salvation. And the oil that comes out of you can be the very thing that brings freedom to others. You see, some of the greatest things in my life have come with the greatest pain. Growing a baby in your body is beautiful and wonderful and one of my greatest joys, but it is painful. Having a baby is painful. There's pressure, there's stretching, but it's part of the process. You don't get the joy of the baby unless you go through the process. And sometimes walking with Jesus will cause you some pain. But here's the good news. We can choose our pain. We can choose the pain of resistance or we can choose the pain of growth. You can choose to resist God and you can go down your own path and do it your own way and you can deal with the issues and the pain and, and the fallout that happens or you can choose the pain that is the pull. You can lean in to what God is wanting to do. And on the other side of that pull, you'll have something to show for it. You'll have some victory in an area. You'll have fruit that's been produced. You'll be launched into your destiny if you live a life that doesn't resist the pull. It's in the pull that insecurities get exposed, that control is released, that growth happens. Because when God is the one pulling you back, you are not controlling which way you go. God is. Now, I don't know a lot about arrows. I haven't had to study archery yet in school. But when I do, I'll let you know what I've learned. But I do know that arrows are not meant to be struck on the ground. They are meant to fly through the air. Elisha says, I want you to strike these arrows on the ground. He doesn't tell Jehoash how many times to strike, and he doesn't say stop, but Jehoash chooses to stop after three times. If I had to guess, it's probably because what he was doing felt very unnatural. I can relate to that feeling. Sometimes it feels unnatural to keep forgiving people who hurt me. Sometimes it doesn't feel good to love someone who doesn't love you well back. It feels frustrating to keep believing and trusting God when you see no evidence of that promise coming to pass. We can get to the point with God where we are like, okay, I did it once. I did it twice. God, I even did it three times, but this isn't working for me anymore. And we end up coming short of all that God has for us because we are unwilling to do something that feels unnatural. So what do we do? Do it anyway. Even when it feels unnatural, even when it's out of your comfort zone, do it anyway. Choose joy when you feel sad. Choose forgiveness even when it doesn't feel like it's coming from a natural place. Choose to lift your hands in worship even when you have tears coming down your face and you don't feel like God is anywhere in the middle of your struggle. Chase God in the middle of that storm. Keep praying, keep trusting that God will do what he said, that he will be good to you. Keep declaring his goodness over your life. 
God caused the giant to fall, but you've got to do your part and strike the ground. Well, how will I know when I'm supposed to stop? When the giant is dead, when the addiction is broken, when the relationship is restored, when forgiveness comes naturally, when you have freedom from the chains that have kept you bound. Moms, we have to strike the ground for our children. We are raising them to be used by God in mighty ways, and we can't give up on their destiny. What if we stopped striking at two when they were throwing temper tantrums, or 14 when they were hormonal, or 22 when they knew more than you? What if we had stopped? The world is only getting harder and harder, and we need moms and dads and grandparents and mentors and leaders and faith-filled men and women to step up and strike the ground that don't quit because they know consistency wins the day. And here's why you can't stop. The thing you are facing right now is the very thing you are going to need to give you confidence for what you will face down the road. It's like muscle memory. Every time I go and do those stretches, I find that I'm able to, to go a little deeper, a little bit further, a little bit longer. God's wanting to do that same thing in you. He wants to develop your faith a little bit stronger, a little bit deeper, a little bit more rooted. So take ownership of your outcomes and trust God with your outcomes. Embrace the stretching, and even when it feels unnatural, do it anyway. God is building something great in you, and you are graced for the stretch. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for speaking to us today. God, thank you for coming just right in the middle of our situation and meeting us where we're at. God, we thank you that you are a good God, a faithful God, a God that's not content to leave us where we're at. God, you have so much more for us, bigger plans than we even know. And so, Lord, right now, I pray for everyone that's finding themselves in the tension of the stretch. Lord, I just pray that you would give them the encouragement to keep going, the motivation to keep going, that they wouldn't sway their eyes to the left or to the right, Lord, but they would stay focused on you and what you are trying to do in them right now. And Lord, I pray for everyone who's sitting in their living rooms or their kitchens or their bedrooms or at a park or in their car and they're listening and they've yet to have found a relationship with you. God, I just pray that right now in this very moment, you would come in and soften their hearts, begin to speak to them, help them to know that they don't want to do this life on their own anymore and there's a better way. Lord, Help them to just say in their own words, God, I need you. I can't rely on myself, but I can rely on you. Lord, come into my heart. Wipe my sins clean. Give me a fresh start with you. Thank you, Jesus, for it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.